Hey there, and welcome to episode six of the Knucklehead Grappler podcast. Today's guest is Sonny Brown, who's a jiu-jitsu black belt, MMA fighter with six wins on his record, and host of his very own podcast, The Sonny Brown Breakdown. This chat has a bit of everything. We talk about his MMA career, the rise of online instructionals, and how his conversations with combat sports' most interesting people has rubbed off on him. Thanks for listening. Hey, Sonny, how are you? Dan, excellent, mate. Nice to uh, be chatting to you. Yeah, sweet. This took a, a little bit to get like coordinated. Yep. Well, we got uh, there in the end. Made it happen. That's yeah. it, mate. That's it. Have you been? Have you been training? Yeah, I've been training um, as much as we kind of can up here mm-hmm. in in Sydney. But it's been going pretty well. In that, you know, most of the restrictions are just on, you know, temperature checks and stuff like that. When people come in, we've still been able to to train properly. Does that um, involve light sparring? Uh, yeah, yeah. So rolling and everything like that. So just hoping that it stays like that because who knows? It's day by day at the moment. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, I just really wanted to touch on how you started in mixed martial arts. In yep. So how did that start? Like what was your first kind of like dabblings into martial arts? Sure. Well, I mean, I probably you know, like most people, I guess my age, you know, grew up watching Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and stuff like that. And, you know, the 80s action movies. And so there was always that kind of, um, you know, fascination with that kind of, that kind of thing just through popular media. Right. And then like, I mean, at one stage I did some Goken Ryu karate when I was, I don't know, maybe 13, 14 or something. So, but I didn't do, I didn't do that for very long, but it was always something in the back of my mind of something that I wanted to do. And then eventually, you know, I did a lot of sports doing, you know, football, you know, soccer, basketball. As, and then as I got a bit older, those all kind of dropped off um, to stop doing, com- stop doing completely. And then at one stage, I remember I was, you know, I'd seen some of the early UFCs and was like, whoa, this was, this was wild. This was wild footage, wild stuff to actually be watching, right? Um, you know, those, those first 10. So I had like, I got like a tape of a friend that was like Ultimate New Year's, it was called. And it was like a, a six-hour tape that was a compilation of the first 10 UFCs, like all the, all the bits of it. And I was like, you know, this is gnarly. And then I, I always knew there was a place down the road, which is Lang's MMA, which is where I ended up going, that had, you know, that train train this stuff they trained jiu-jitsu trained mma and of course they had uh elvis sinisic was training there back in the day right. and so i remember you know in the local paper the manly daily when elvis fought uh tito that was a there was a you know news article about that and i was you know that stuck in my mind as okay you know i'll go check these guys out one day and then i mean basically then just you know, how old was I? Maybe like 24 or something. I just started looking around. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it's time to do something. Looking around different gyms in the area. And there were some other jujitsu places, but they could only do jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Whereas that Langs was, uh, you know, it had everything where you could do MMA, kickboxing and jujitsu and all under one roof. And so, yeah, just went down there and, and signed up and, and went, went from there. Now, when did you decide that you were going to take it seriously? Like, was that a conscious decision or was it just a natural progression? I, it probably was a natural progression because it's one thing I was talking the other night. And I, so I had my first amateur shooto match 
and I couldn't remember exactly when it, how, how long I'd be training when I had it. And one of my mates jumped in and was like, oh, three months that you'd be in, that we'd been training and we had the shoot. And I was like, oh, yeah. Now putting that in context, I'm like, wow, that was pretty quick. Like, <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, oh, probably six, I guess. Um, but yeah, I had like, had like a shooto and I won, I won that. Then I had, I did some jujitsu competitions and I like, I won some matches in that and like, you know, I was going okay. So, and then eventually the, the local fight night show, um, with Nick Stone, War on the North Shore came up and, you know, I remember, um, Rob, Rob Hill, I think it was, or Rob and Anthony were like, you know, you want to go in it? Just like, and I'm like, oh yeah, okay, we'll give, we'll give it a go. I went in that one and won that as well. So it was probably like after that, I was like, oh yeah, okay, we can give this a, we can, we'll keep going until, um, you know, until, uh, until we'll see, we'll see what happens. Cause yeah, who knows? Like had I lost all those things at the start, oh, maybe it might turn out differently, but it was, it was good motivation to get a couple of wins under the belt to begin with. Yeah, wicked. And so after those first ones, did you change anything? Were you like, all right, cool. Now I'm, I'm going to train seriously. Like, was there ever something like that? No, I, I wouldn't say so much then because like I actually, from when I started training, I, I kind of just threw myself into it pretty, pretty heavily actually. So even when I was like, not sure that I was going to be competing or anything like that, I was training twice, like twice a night, um, you know, five days a week and then going in on a Saturday for a session as well. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was it, from the get go, I was just showing up to every class, mm-hmm. um, and just, you know, cause there'd be a six to seven class, seven to eight class, you know, jujitsu or kickboxing or whatever. And I was just showing up and doing, doing both for, for a long time, um, from memory. Mm-hmm. And so even when I kind of, uh, you know, I'd, you know, take it more seriously, so to say, it probably didn't change that aspect of it. It was somewhere down the, down the line when I started doing a bit more, maybe strength and conditioning mm-hmm. or, or things like that. But that wasn't a while that, you know that was a bit further into things as well that, that I actually made that decision. I just kind of just kept training. And was there ever a, like a, like a tendency for you to go to striking or to grappling or was it just like, did they both kind of like just evolve? They both like, I was training them all at the same time. So like, you know, equally, um, but for whatever reason, I think my, I just took to grappling a bit better than striking. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was always training, you know, doing a, a jujitsu class and a kickboxing class or just, I was always training it all together, mm-hmm. but just there was whatever, there was that natural tendency uh, athletically or whatever that lent me to grappling a bit, a bit more. Um, but definitely just, you know, was, was training them all together. And the good thing with, uh, Langs too, is that we did have specific MMA classes where okay. we would, where we would mix it all. We, we would mix it all in. Um, you know, we call them shoot fighting classes from John wheels, shoot fighting, uh, shoot yeah. fighting days, yeah. which I know you're, you're a member of, uh, John wheels. So like we had that combination, you know, that early MMA type mm-hmm. of training, which I know some pet, like definitely no other places that I was looking at at the time had it. And I mean, some places still don't really do that now. It's um, so that was definitely a benefit that that was just part of our training, just, you know, MMA pretty much. Now, would you like someone that would want to be going down your path? Would you recommend anything? Would you like recommend for them to say, 
start striking first or start grappling or combine the two? It's a good question. It probably depends like what age they're starting at. I mean, I'm kind of of the mindset of that, you know, you start everything and then kind of probably see what you take to naturally as well. Maybe that's a reflection on what, on like my own experience, assuming that there is going to be something that you take naturally more to, but I would, I would say, you know, just, just start and see whatever you get drawn to, whatever you find most interesting that's actually going to motivate yourself to continue to train and, you know, that you can find some success with and find those, those little wins in training that's going to keep you motivated to actually keep going because otherwise I'd probably say, you know, like just wrestling, train four times a day or something, you know, yeah. do, just grind, you know, grind it out from the get-go. But yeah. the reality is you've got to find something that you – just whatever, whatever part it is that you enjoy the most. Yeah. The reason I ask that is because I don't know, like when I first started, there was kind of like, or when I first started watching UFC, there was kind of like that style versus style, like stand up for the most part versus grapple up for the most part. And then you had those mm-hmm. weird, like sumo wrestlers and like Wing Chun yeah. guys and stuff like that. But, and then like it kind of all amalgamated together, like in a really, cohesive way but now i kind of find that it's kind of the trend is going the other way like you have grapplers going into mma fights and then like stand-up guys like mm. i don't know like for example a high profile one would be like a, a gokan saki kind of thing yep like he he went into mma and i feel like it's kind of starting to diverge so in your current ex- with your experience do you think that mma is better suited to be taught as a, as a cohesive unit or do you think it should still be split up? It's a good question. Um, I think one thing that's definitely clear is the, the use of Brazilian jiu-jitsu and submissions definitely seems to be on the decline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, especially with the, you know, the route you can take with competitive jiu-jitsu and competitive grappling these days mm-hmm. is not necessarily going to be a good translation or a good crossover into mixed martial arts grappling, mm-hmm. um, especially, you know, guard work. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of the things you can spend developing in the guard in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you're just not going to get to see a chance for it to be used in MMA mm-hmm. unless you're on the back foot, you know, unless you're yeah. losing, then yeah. you might have a chance to, to put your magic guard into, into work, which mm-hmm. is, which is great. If you've got it, everyone should have something like that, but it's going to be a hard time to, to develop, you know, it's going to be a hard time to actually get the opportunity to put that into place without losing on the judges scorecards. So I think, you know, there's still that room to specialize because a jujitsu coach might be able to teach you jujitsu better Mm-hmm. A kickboxing coach might be able to teach you kickboxing better, mm-hmm. but so there's, there's always going to be that room to specialize. Right. But it's going to be that a coach that can blend it together and, and at least give the, the athlete a kind of cohesive game plan of how they're going to blend it together. Mm-hmm. is still going to be useful mm-hmm. because a big issue I see is if you are just going to like piecemealing your, your training together under different coaches or different styles is that you might get everyone or different coaches giving you a different opinion on how something should be done. Mm-hmm. And then you have to, you know, you're left to kind of figure it out yourself and rather than everyone being on the same page and, you know, and, and everything being focused towards the one 
you know, the one goal with you, which I think would be, would be more ideal. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, does that, does that get, yeah, close, it, what you're saying? it does just tagging on with that. Do you think that fighting in itself is influenced by coaching or do you think it's a good assistant? Like when you're in, when you're in that cage, like does a coach really influence where you're going in the fight or is it more of a, like a, like it's good to have them there, but they're not really like driving you to, to success. If you know what I mean? In just during the fight itself or in all the lead up and and everything as well. Uh, Like I'm saying during the fight. Yeah. Um, That's yeah. Also a good question because for the most part, right, when you're in the fight, you're going to be running off instincts and stuff that you've already trained. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's, it's, the, it's the result of six weeks of preparation mm-hmm. or eight weeks or if you want to, you know, or years of preparation, really. Mm-hmm. It's all those instincts that you've trained and made habit that's really going to be taking over. But with that being said, the ability to have an extra set of eyes on the, you know, viewing what's happening, mm-hmm. that's invaluable because they can give you that, that insight that, you just, you can't tell yourself because you've only got that, you know, you've got the vision right in front of you and they're able to just take in a lot more. And that, you know, that extra opinion, that extra, you know, viewpoint, that can be invaluable and, and give you, you know, maybe a little adjustment, maybe, you know, they can just pick up on something that the opponent's doing that you're not able to tell and that can really make a difference. Yeah. Now, of like the, the reason I also ask that is because I've just been looking at a lot about coaching styles. Mm-hmm. I just recently read the art of learning, you know, the Josh you know, the, Yeah. That's yep. the one. Great. Book. And, and Great it, book. yeah, it's, it's a fantastic book. I've been just devouring books throughout this quarantine. It's yeah. one of those things that keeps me sane actually. Um, there's this, he kind of like goes on about coaching styles and about how there are coaches that impose their style and there are, mm. there are coaches that kind of allow you to express yourself. In your experience, what do you think would be better? Yeah, it's hard to, it's hard to say because, like, I, I mean, personally, I kind of like the idea of a coach that allows you to express, you know, allows the individual athlete to express themselves mm. in whatever style that they want to see fit. Maybe that's just because... My, I'm just, I, I just like the idea of that. I like mm-hmm. the idea of that being more artistic, mm-hmm. but I think that it's going to be like, that's probably going to be a lot more difficult for a coach to actually be able to do because they're going to need a lot more uh, tools in the toolbox to know, okay, this, this athlete's heading towards this way. I can offer them, you know, these techniques that's going to, um, you know, improve the, their natural inclinations mm-hmm. versus if you're, just, okay, everyone gets these certain techniques down because these are the best techniques. Mm-hmm. Then I think that's probably going to be, you're probably going to have an easier time teaching or at least an easier time knowing what you're going to teach mm-hmm. as opposed to, yeah, just trying to have something that fits into everyone's different personality. Mm-hmm. Now, part of that probably comes down to two is like who you've got coming to you to mm-hmm. actually to actually be taught. I mean, if, if you're at a level like a, you know, a John Danaher or something where the best guys in the world are coming to you because they want to be told what to learn. 
Like no one's, I don't think anyone's rocking up to, you know, those, one of those coaches, the best people in the world and saying like, Oh, can we, I want to do it my way. Or, you know, are you sure about that? Like they're there to, okay, I'm going to do whatever this guy says. And so that's going to be, that's going to be fine. Um, so there's that kind of element to it as well. Probably until you have that reputation mm-hmm. that, okay, every, people are want to be told a certain way to do things and I'm confident in the way that I'm going to be telling them to do it. Then until then, I mean, it might, that might be hard to, to pull off because there's always, you know, people might want to, um, I mean, I like to do it this way. I like to do it that way. And mm-hmm being able to meet them where they're at and give them and go, you know, and give them the different tools to express themselves might be a better, a better solution for that as well. Yeah. I've just been thinking about that. And with the boom of say the, the instructional, yeah, like it's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of great getting a different perspective from different people. Now, do you, do you personally, do you, do you subscribe to the instructional just because it's not a tactile thing? Like, do you, do you go through them? Do you, do you get much out yeah. of those? I, I do, but like, I kind of wish that I look, I think the best way that it could be able to do it is like, I remember like with old videos that I used to watch back in the day, not even jujitsu, but like I would only have like one or two videos. Right. And I would, and I'd be able to re- repeat, like I would know the word by word kind of like what they're going to say. Right. Mm-hmm. And, the, and I kind of feel like I, if I'm, I wish that I was probably watching if I could, you know, pick one instructional and get it down to a level of memorization like that, mm-hmm. like that I used to, mm-hmm. then I think that would be of, that would be of benefit. Cause of course there's just so much information out there now that yep. unless you kind of focus, you know, you're focusing down on what you're studying, mm-hmm. there's going to be, there's going to be too much to ever take in. Yep. So you really have to be pretty selective about about what you're actually consuming because mm-hmm. um, i mean every day there's a new special from bjj fanatics and yeah you know <laughs> and this the temptation is right is like oh yeah i'm gonna be neo in the matrix where i'll just yeah. i'll buy this i'll buy this one and, and then like, it'll just download and like whoop, yeah and then i'll have and then i'll have sick cradles or something yeah and <laughs> It's generally, it's, you know, well, it's, it's not like that. You know, you've got to, there's yeah. only so much time you can spend on things. Um, but I mean, especially the stuff that Danaher's putting out is like a lot of that stuff is kind of now I'd consider just fundamental. Like mm-hmm. you kind of, you, you have to kind of stay on top of that. Otherwise you're going to be left behind. Mm-hmm. Now with that, do you think as a coach, like that you have altered the way you teach the fundamentals as opposed to the way you were taught the fundamentals? Mm, maybe not so much. Not, maybe not so much. I think because it's, it's, it's real, tr- it's tricky, right? Cause it's, I think that for the white belts mm-hmm. or like, you know, just for people just learning for the first time, it's probably not that much different has to really be, be put in place. Mm-hmm. I think it's kind of like once people start getting up into that blue and purple mm-hmm. and that's probably where, especially with instructionals that there's going to be a whole lot more going on because mm-hmm. at, that, at that first base level, you know, who knows people probably aren't on BJJ fanatics 
buying a whole bunch of stuff yet. Mm. Or they might be. I don't, you know, but yeah. it's probably less likely, right? Yeah. But I think, yeah, once they get up that blue purple belt stage, mm-hmm. then they probably are. And then that's, that's where things are going to have to change because they might, you know, they're going to be getting all these different techniques and all this information mm-hmm. outside of class time. Mm-hmm. And just how that's going to be integrated into it is going to, yeah, I'm not, not sure. Mm-hmm. Now, you've been doing the Sunny Brown breakdown for what, like about a year now? Yeah. 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 Jeez, time flies. It's yeah. Crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. It does feel crazy that we're, it's, yeah, August or something. Yeah. So, what, it's, what are the biggest takeaways you've, you've done, you've gotten from all that? Um, Probably the biggest takeaway is probably just the power of asking yep. because a lot of the interviews I got, I was just asking, man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, wow. Okay. Yeah. Just ask. Yeah. <laughs> right. Some of these people are saying yes. I'm like, okay, that's, um, so that's probably the biggest takeaway and just like, yeah, just asking and just doing it. Mm-hmm. And then, I mean, that's might not be the, you know, the most obvious thing, but mm-hmm. For me personally, that was the biggest takeaway mm-hmm. of just like, oh, gee, just ask and, and do it and get things done and it can happen. Like, oh, okay, um, that's great. But then in terms of just like learning things, of, um, it's so much, man, because mm-hmm. each, each interview that I've done, I've, I've picked up something from, from someone mm-hmm. that, you know, sometimes they might contradict, sometimes they might compliment, sometimes, mm-hmm. and it's just... Hmm. Yeah. I just like just being able to listen to all those different viewpoints, mm-hmm. I think. And then just trying to put, trying to come to my own conclusions is probably the best, you know, it's such a valuable thing that, that we have access to these days. Mm-hmm. I was just going to say like, has it informed your teaching and coaching at all? A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, if anything, I probably have to, dial it back because I'll do one interview and I'll be like, Oh, this is the, <laughs> I'll just be, I'll just be all in on whatever the, whoever the last person I spoke yeah. to is. I'll be like, Oh, he's, he was a hundred percent correct. I'm going to do everything, whatever this person was saying. And then I'll yeah. like, hang, on. hang on, you got to temper it off a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, it's, it's kind of inevitable because just having a good conversation with someone is they're going to rub off mm-hmm. just like a little, little bit here and there somehow. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's probably something to be care- to be careful of too, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, I find that just having those conversations is just, you know, it's such a, it's just valuable thing to be able to do nowadays mm-hmm. that just to be able to reach out and talk to people like that. It's just yeah. it's so good. Yeah. Now, cause just because I was just going to say that you, you were saying that like you can't, like let the, all of those thoughts in, how do you, how do you let all that information like inform the way you perform? Like you do jujitsu or you teach jujitsu? Like, how do yeah. you like, cause it like, like we were talking about instructionals, podcasts, uh, just people, you know, blogs, stuff like that. There is so much good information out there. There's papers, there's people that say, you know, you should drink, like all this water drink, do all this sleep. How do you kind of for yourself kind of like narrow that down? Do you have a particular strategy? Yeah. So that's a good question. So some things I'd say is probably like, 
Um, I would say that, you know, trying to make the minimum, you know, minimum changes possible mm-hmm. is like, you know, and just, just experimenting on a small level first, because mm-hmm. of course, whenever uh, there's always going to be a big temptation, like an instruction when you go, Oh, Kimura's are out. Now it's only, you know, wrist locks or something, you know, yeah, you, yeah. Just, you know, so only ever just try and make minimum adjustments and test that out and, and see for whatever's, you know, and mm-hmm. see what, if you get results. The other thing is probably like, I'm a, I'm a big believer in just trying to f- put into pray, put into practice, whatever I find like the most beautiful or like the most, um, you know, entertaining or enjoyable. Mm-hmm. And that will actually, you know, and then hopefully that will be based on some kind of research that it's, that it's on the truth as well and that it's, yeah. that it's good and useful and practical, but it's also got to be something that, okay, if, if it comes off correctly, if it works, if it succeeds, then I'm going to find that inspiring to actually keep doing mm-hmm. um, and use that to guide just a little bit as well, because otherwise like, you know, there's some things that, okay, this is, you know, you, you might think it's the best thing to do, but like, yeah, you know, drink, a certain amount of water every day or just something, you know, something crazy that you could find a, a, a scientific paper to back up and you're like, ah, but if, if K, if I do this, I'm probably going to be discouraged and, you know, and it might turn me off the sport or something. Mm. And I mean, in some cases that might be, if you're preparing for a competition, you've got to do it anyway. Right. If it's like yeah. cardio or weights or something like that, yeah. different, different context. If it's, you know, if it's like, okay, I've, I've got to be in, in peak physical condition by this date, I have to do these, these sessions. But if it's just, you know, for keeping, you know, keeping your training going and keeping it enjoyable, then it's got to be something that like, okay, if I get good at this certain guard, is that kind of, can I see myself enjoying it? Yeah. Okay. Is, is that guard a good guard to practice? Can I see it working in high level competition? Yeah. Okay. All right. Well then let's, you know, we, we can go down that route and, and, uh, and see how we go. You know, is, is it something that I'm more naturally drawn to and can kind of see myself playing? Yeah. If that's the case, then, then use that to guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that is, is that's helpful. I think. Awesome. Yeah, no, that's that you're onto something there. Definitely. Now, I noticed like online, you're really into wrestling. Yeah. Did that, did that come through MMA or did you just, was that kind of like a natural progression through your grappling? Um, definitely through MMA. And okay. we were, um, because again, training at Lang's MMA, we were lucky that I had a coach, Gary Jones from the Wrestling Foundation. Mm-hmm. But he just moved. So he's from New Jersey. He grew mm-hmm. up um, in America, in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. His dad ran a wrestling club over there and he's been wrestling all his life uh wrestled division three in new jersey and basically he just moved to our local area in, oh, in cool. sydney in the, in the northern beaches right yeah just right fluke yeah <laughs> <laughs> well not yeah you know, yeah so he, he just moved over there and he was like you know and i think just came to the club and like oh do you guys want to add some wrestling to your um to your program, you know, or to, mm-hmm. to the gym. And so he, you know, we, all, yeah, he just started teaching wrestling out of our, out of our local gym. And so like that was lucky. And even then at the time I didn't really understand 
the differences between folk style and freestyle wrestling. Mm-hmm. Because me and Rob Hill, we used to do like we did used to train with some of the other freestyle Australian freestyle wrestlers mm-hmm. who were coaching around the area. But the the folk style wrestling is just so much more applicable to mixed martial arts. Mm-hmm. And that is something that, yeah, I've just really taken to more and more after, even after I've stopped competing. Cause I think it is such an important thing now that I realize how much of it translates over into jujitsu, mm-hmm. like, or just into grappling. Mm-hmm. I'm like, it's such a, such an important piece of the puzzle. And it's just a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah, definitely. If you don't get hit like, a shoulder dislocated or something like that. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely fun. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So with that, do you? Th- how do you think someone that is, say, blue, purple, brown could get the most out of stand-up? Because I know a lot of guys these days, do they just they ignore it completely? Yeah. Like they'd rather well, go for a double guard pull as opposed to, you know, standing. Yeah. Well, there. I think... Uh, I think... Like in, in ways, I think gi and no gi are kind of separating um, Definitely. a lot. And that I could still see, you know, in gi, you'd probably still be able to get away with, you know, with your guard pull. But from what I can tell, I think no gi is going to value the wrestling a, a lot more in coming years as well. Especially you see the Danaher guys talking about this scrimmage wrestling mm-hmm. and how that's going to be a big thing for ADCC. and. Mm-hmm. And that is essentially, from my understanding, it's like wrestling up from the ground or wrestling up from submission attempts. Mm-hmm. So you'll be in a butterfly guard or something, and then you'll wrestle up from that into a single leg, get your takedown, get your takedown points. So I think it is going to just become a bigger part of the no-gi game mm-hmm. than it was already. Um, in gi, I mean you know, it still should be part of the game. I think just, you know, from someone who's done MMA and, you know, in my perspective, it's like, well, if we're going to do a sport that relies on getting your opponent to the ground, you should be able to be pretty proficient at getting your opponent to the ground. Like, Mm. but you know, it's some people, it's not as fun, I guess, for some people, but yeah. So that, that could be the one where it's like, I think you should do it despite if you don't think it's fun, mm-hmm. I think everyone should have um, one, a good single leg takedown. That's yep. it. You can switch from single to double, but everyone should be practicing the setup to a single leg gi or no gi. Single leg still the most high percentage takedown. In gi, I was having a look at it the other week and it's, it's the most high percentage takedown off of a failed guard pull or something like that. Mm-hmm. So there's still everyone. Sh- yeah, that would be my one thing. You should have a good single leg takedown. Yeah, and at the at a bare minimum, especially for a sport that is a ground based fighting art, you yeah. want to be able to get get people to the ground. Like you can, yeah, and in, and if they're not proficient, you can get the back really easy from a single leg, or you go for a high C if you, yep, if you stuff it up. So yeah, and yep. you're right. You can go from single to double as well, really easily. Yep. It's one of those things that, like, I don't know. For me personally, it was always like going coming up at red cat like it was just a it was just a thing that we do constantly basically as a warm-up we do yeah uh, like double leg single leg high c uh, and um i'm starting to forget now um the like a low ankle pick yeah okay yep. yeah yeah 
which is yeah, fantastic. That's, I've, yeah, I've started doing that just as warm-ups for just hand, like hand fighting into a single leg, then mm-hmm. finishing the single. And then actually the, the concession I'm, I'm, I've been making is if people want to get the single leg and then drop to a, um, a Ashigarami, mm-hmm. um, that's fine. If you want to be, if you want to get to the single leg and do a guard pull, that's okay. Go for it. Go for yeah. it. You, but at least be able to get into the single leg and have that option to finish either way. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah, I think that's going to be, it's just should, it just should, should have it. Mm. Now you're also a commentator as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm right in saying that. Yeah. 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 Commentating this weekend for mm-hmm. subversion, uh, grappling, grappling cards. So streaming live on Facebook. Now, do you, um, does that give you a different perspective on fight sports at all? It's, it's maybe not on fight sports, but it's given me a different perspective on commentating. That's oh, really? Sure. <laughs> like the fight sports side of things are not as pretty, that's, that's pretty much stayed the same, but it's like anything where I probably would have, before I did the commentary, I would have assumed it was a lot easier than what I thought. And then after having done it, it's like, oh, that's actually a lot more difficult, <laughs> uh, which is happens with almost anything, I think. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like it's easy to be on the outside and go, oh, that Joe Rogan, he says the same things over and over again. Mm-hmm. And then I get in there and I'm like, oh, I do use the word excellent a lot. I got to try and <laughs> I got to try and stop doing that. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, so that that would be the the main thing I'd say that's just change of perspective on, on the actual process of it. Yeah. Now looking back on your MMA and grappling career, like, is there anything you would have done different? Well, I probably would have focused more on wrestling. Okay. <laughs> yeah, really? Even more, even more than I did maybe. And like, I'm not, uh, I'm not basically, Let's like that could be the reason why I'm focused so much on it now. It's like trying okay. to make up, trying to make up. I like oh, I should have done this better late than never, you know. Mm-hmm. But even though I did a lot of wrestling, I think that I could have like you know, look, it's all um, you know, what if now? But yeah, hindsight. Yeah, like I'm, I kind of you know, I started towards the end trying to fix what I saw as deficiencies in my, in my striking game. Cause there was a lot of people were telling me that, you know, oh, you got to strike more, you need mm-hmm. to do more boxing training, you need to do mm-hmm. more kickboxing training. Whereas I think I probably should have gone, no, let's just focus on taking down and, and choking people out. That probably would have been, would have mm-hmm. been better. But at the time, you know, it's so hard to so many, you know, so many different influences and, and things like that. And it, it is, you know, it's just, who, who knows? Who knows, right? Yeah, right. Now, what does the future hold for Sonny Brown? Um, oh, mate, what does the future <laughs> hold for anyone at the yeah. moment? Yeah. <laughs> That's a big question. Yeah. I got, I got no idea, man. I got no idea. Um, see how we, yeah, see how things shape up in a month. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully. Um, the world gets back to normal. That's it. <laughs> Going crazy, not grappling. That's for sure. That's it. Oh yeah. That's the, hopefully the future is with Sydney doesn't get put back into lockdown. Mm-hmm. Somehow coronavirus clears up, things get back to normal and some, and then, yeah. <laughs> but until we can then, cuddle our friends in pajamas again. 
Yeah, yeah. Until then, who knows? Like, it mm. just seems it's such amazing how how strange this year's gone. That's mm-hmm. like, if you'd asked me what I would be doing this time last year, mm-hmm. it was a lot different than just like <laughs> what what has happened. Um, but I mean, look, ideally, I um, you know just keep going, making stuff online. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, coaching, mm-hmm. doing that competing that's actually one thing i want to do is compete again yeah um just in, in jiu-jitsu right yep. i want to but we got to have a competition on <laughs> yeah that's it that's it but that, that's something i definitely martial arts wise i want to compete uh again just do some jiu-jitsu yeah man me and you both um well thank you very much for doing this man i really yeah, appreciate no it i really appreciate it thank you very much for your time man yeah, no problem. Anytime. I appreciate it. And um, yeah, make sure to, to support the local, the Aussies repping, repping. And um, yeah, I hope you're getting through the, the lockdown and everything mm. as much as, as much as you can. Uh, where can people find you? Uh, so the website is sunnybrown.net. That's mm-hmm. got links to everything on there. Um, Sunny Brown on YouTube is uh, got a lot of videos on there. Uh, sunnybrownbreakdown.com for all mm-hmm. the podcasts and Sunny Brown Breakdown on Instagram for all that stuff on there as well. And then absolutely everywhere. 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 Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> awesome, man. Well, thank you. Hey, thank you, Dan. Sam. Take it easy, mate. Cheers.